With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are live with the wow, the word on Wednesday. And we bless God for you being here tonight as we continue the series that we have entitled The Emancipation. Our Bible study, hey, uh, our Bible study that is taking us through the book of Galatians. And tonight we wade into Galatians chapter 4. I will begin immediately with a word of prayer. Then, as usual, I'm going to try to tie the two lessons together um, and then we'll, we'll move right along. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We come, God, saying thank you. We come, God, to bless you. When we realize all that you have done for us, not only saving us, not only making us fit to be in your presence, but the things that you do day by day, walking with us, talking with us, protecting us, providing for us, interceding for us, doing stuff that we don't even think about that you do. We just bless you. We thank you and we praise you. God, you are so good. And your mercy endures forever. Now, Father, tonight we pray that you lead us into this lesson, that you would make it plain for us so we can really understand what you are saying to us. And then, Father, allow us, by the power of your Spirit, not just to hear, but to obey, to do your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, hey, Don. Hey, Alex, how you doing, man? Look here. So, let me just put us in the right place. We call this series The Emancipation simply because it is one that the Galatians is a letter that frees us, that frees us from the bondage of the law. Now, it does not take and nullify the law. It does not say, Christian, you don't have to, 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 um, to, to, be, to pay any attention to the law. But instead, it puts the law in its place. Last week, we, when we talked about the law and the law in Christians, what we discovered was that the law, number one, shows us our need for Christ, and two, the law shows us how we are to walk upright before the Lord. We dismissed the law 
as the agency by which we receive salvation. And now, Paul is in this extended argument, and what he's getting ready to show us is what Christ did for us, and, and not what he did for us, and what this does for us positionally. So what I need to do is I need to back up a little bit in the reading and, and go back and read a little bit of chapter 3 because this, when, when we're looking at, at this letter, this letter is not disjoint. And sometimes we take passages apart and we leave them apart. But this letter is a cohesive, comprehensive letter, and we, although we take it apart, we have to put it back together. Um, the best way to put it is the sum of the parts equal a whole, and if you want to get a whole understanding, then you've got to understand the sum of the parts and how they all fit together. Okay, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to read um, a portion of chapter 3 that flows right into chapter 4, and then we'll begin to take, take chapter 4 apart and show the connection, because there's a, a connection that we miss, that we miss in chapter, chapter 3 and 4 if we don't take it together. And so what I'll do is I will begin reading at, I'll begin reading at, uh, Hmm. I'm going to read I'm going to start reading at 326. How's that? 326. And I'm going to flow right through into chapter 4. It says uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. It says, "You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of son. Because you are sons of God, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also a, an heir. Now, what you just witnessed, what you just heard, was something that you couldn't hear. You couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear it because you are not born back in those times. You are not a citizen of Rome. And because you're not a citizen of Rome, 
you couldn't hear and see the picture that Paul is painting. What Paul paints here is a picture of what went on when a person was adopted into a new family. And so he, he, what he writes here is something that every Roman could understand, but that we in the Western world don't understand because we don't understand the, the process and the privilege of adoption. Now, when we think about adoption, we just think about it as, as, as just uh, somebody coming along and taking you into their family. But it was a little bit more than that back in the days of Rome. And so what I want to do is, first of all, let me, let, let's, let's, let's catch you up from Chapter 3 and then move and flow right into Chapter 4 because all of this flows together. It says, see, last week what we established was this, that you are sons, that when you are baptized, you, are, you leave the old, and you come into new, and you now represent and become part of a new family. You see what he, you, you you see where he's going with this. You are clothed in Christ, and that you are now a member of the family of faith and an heir. What does it say? He says you are Abraham's seed and an heir to the promise. So you see the shift. You see the shift from where you were as an unbeliever to where you become to when you come to God and receive salvation by faith. Now, he, he, he starts it out, he says, what I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Now, again, we went through part of this last week. What we said last week was that the child was subject to the care of a guardian, and the guardian led them to and from to their teacher. The guardian also was responsible for disciplining them when they got out of line. So in chapter 3, he is contrasting what the Spirit of God does through faith and what the law does. But now in chapter 4, he's saying, and you were under the law, and the law was your guardian. And even though you owned it all, even after you became an heir, until you became of age, you were just like the slaves. You hadn't come into your inheritance. You had it. It was yours, but you hadn't come into it. But watch what he says. So I'm at verse 3 now. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. In other words, when we were in slavery, we were under the law. Why were we in slavery? Because the time hadn't come yet. There is an appointed time. We call it the set time. When the fullness of time came, you see, when, now there's, there's time that's chronos, and then there is an appointed time. And God sets a time 
for his plan to unfold and manifest. And so what is, and what is the manifestation of his time? He says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to what? To redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of son. Now, this is where the, that adoption comes in. This is, this is how he's painting this picture of adoption. Now, in, in Rome, in Rome, what happened was that there were times when um, people would adopt others. The circumstances of the adoption were, there was, there was, there was a couple things there. One, you could, be, you could come up for adoption if, the adopt the adopting family or the adopting father looked and saw that he had no sons or no no children to to give their inheritance to or that the children that he had didn't reach adulthood and so what he would do is he would adopt someone and or um if a person's father didn't want them, then they can put that, they can put them up for adoption, and someone could come along and adopt them. Now, if you were under the control of your father, if you were still under the control of your father, the process went that you were sold into civil slavery, and then you served it out. Now. This happened three times. You were sold into civil, civil slavery three times, and each time you served out a time period or someone came in and redeemed you from that time. And when you, served, when you were sold into slavery, you reverted back the first time to your natural father, and he in turn went back and sold you again. And then you reverted back to him after you served your time or redeemed or were, were redeemed. And then you he sold you again a third time into slavery. And you served your time or somebody redeemed you. But after that third time, the your father, your natural father, had no claim to you. And at that point in time, the person that was adopting you now could lay claim to you. That's, that's the first thing you need to understand. So now you see where this going in? Where, where, what did he say? To redeem those under the law. See, you see the picture that he's painting? But now, adoption just didn't mean that now you just entered into the family. Because the Romans, the, the family was the nucleus of, the, of, the, of Roman society. And each family had a series of ways and, and of worship and particular gods that they worshipped. And in coming into the new family, remember that word we talked about what baptism meant? Watch this. In coming into the new family, you renounce the gods of your previous family and then begin to take up the worship of the gods that are in your new family. You renounce the traditions of your old family and took up the traditions of the new family. Uh-oh, y'all seeing it now, don't you? You renounced the name of your old family 
and took up the name of the new family. So there was a, and, and not only that, but the status that you once had in your old family, that's gone. You took on the status of the new family. So let's, let's, let's think of that. You got a change of your social situation. You got a change of name. You have a change of God. You, 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 you have been redeemed. So what we now see is all of the things that Paul is saying in this new passage, in this passage that we, that we read concerning the new situation of the Galatians. They have been brought into a new family, and in bringing into and in being welcomed into this new family, they also have a new father. And when the new father is now, now it's not the distant relationship, but instead he to seal the deal, there is a new spirit involved in it, and it is the spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I know that it's popular, it's popular for us to say it's a spirit that has us calling him Daddy. That's not right. That's not right. We're not completely right. Because to translate that word Abba into Daddy is incorrect. That word is not a Greek word, nor is it a Hebrew word. It is an Aramaic word. And Abba translates into Father. Abba is the Aramaic translation of the word father. And so the Greek, and then after that, you have the Greek word that's in this text that says uh, Abba, again, is Aramaic, and then father is, a, Paul uses a Greek word, and the word he uses there is pater, pater. So if you were reading it, in, its, in the natural language, you would say, and he gives us a spirit whereby we cry, Father, Father, or Abba, Pater. That's what it says. So what, why does he use those words? Well, let me just look, and let me just, let me just show you a couple, uh, let me just show you uh, what that word, what it means. When we talk about Abba, the Abba Father, okay, Father, that's Abba, it signifies the close, intimate relationship of a father and his child, as well as the childlike trust that a young child puts in his father that causes him to be recognized in our vernacular as daddy. Now, those of you who have children, you know that they will formally say to you, Father. But when they want to let you know that we have an intimate relationship, that I trust you, that I am depending on you, that we, me and you, we close to each other, what do they say? Daddy. 
See, that's where we got that from. But in saying that, sometimes we miss the fact that, that, that it is more than just a title, but instead it talks about the intimacy of the relationship that a child has with his father. It's no longer the relationship that we had with our natural father who sold us into slavery, who caused us to be into bondage, but instead it is the relationship that you have with your redeemer, the one who redeemed you, the one who loved you, the one who came for you, the one who provides for you, the one who protects you. Then the the pater, the pater, it signifies the ancestor or the the mentor or the model or the person that is respected for his dignity and his and his position. So what do we have here? We have a relationship that is loving and reverenced and respected. Sometimes, and one of the things, we love God, but sometimes one of the things that we do wrong is we don't reverence him. We don't honor him. We don't respect him. We just, you know, say stuff like the man upstairs, like he's just some common stuff. And I believe that when you understand this passage, all of a sudden you keep the intimacy, but you also get the respect. And there are a lot of natural relationships that we have with our fathers that are not honorable. We don't honor our fathers as we should, especially as we get, some of us, as we get older. Because we think, oh, I'm grown, and that's my father, and oh, my father, you know, ah, he, he just do what he do, and I love him, and blah, blah, blah. You're messing up. You're messing up. Because it's a, the way you treat your father is a, is a reflection of the way you view God. And some of us who have fathers who were not in their lives, who uh, didn't do the things that they were supposed to do, think that it's all right for you to kind of, especially when he didn't do do nothing for you growing up and everything, uh, basically call him a sperm donor or something like that, or absentee father. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. I'd repent for that right now. I really would. And I'm not just speaking as a. I'm. I'm. You're you're, you're talking about. You're talking to a man right now who had no participation in his life from his father. Okay, I didn't, none. I didn't even know who the joker was until I was 50 years old, 50 plus years old. No clue. But there was something inside of me, once I found out who he was, that always made me honor him. And even after I found out who he was and the circumstances and all of that kind of stuff, I still honor him. I, and, I, and I'll never forget, once I found out and I went to the grave, that, that his grave, and, you know, uh, I, this might seem crazy to some people, but the thing that I wound up doing is saying, man, I ain't mad at you. I don't understand the circumstances of anything, but I'm not mad at you. God did it. He took care of me. He has taken great care of me. 
I'm, I, I actually feel sorry for you that you didn't get a chance to experience me. I'm sorry that I never got a chance to experience you. But ain't nothing for me to be mad about because I fared sumptuously. And I pray that everything is all right with you. But I ain't, I ain't mad at you, dude. It's all good. I honor him. And what does the Bible say? Honor your father and your mother that your days might be long on the earth. Do not dishonor your parents. Okay? Don't do that. Because in dishonoring them, guess what you're doing? You're dishonoring God. And God gives us the spirit whereby he claims us and he, he and whereby we can now cry, Abba, Father, 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 intimacy and reverence. Amen? So, verse 7, you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, the bona fides of, of the adoption, the, the, the adoption process, that this is, is sealed, is that he gives you his spirit. He gives you himself. You see, he gives you him. He changes your name from sinner to saint. He changes your situation. We become, as they say, we are seated now in heavenly places. We are blessed with every spiritual gift so that we lack none, nothing. We are freed from the bondage of slavery. You see all this happen? Why? Because God redeemed us. And that's the picture that Paul is painting for them. And so then he goes back. Let me go to verse 8. I've got a few more minutes. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to get through a few more, few more verses tonight in this chapter. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Back then, back then, again, let me anchor it. Let me anchor it back all the way to chapter 1. He says, who bewitched you? Who, 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 ran in here? who came in here and put, some, uh, put the hoogee on you? Who has come in here and corrupted you? Whoever it is that's come bothering you, let them be a curse. He's telling them, look, your understanding of your salvation is completely wrong. And so he, now he goes back and he keeps making the argument. And he says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So again, what, what do you think? In terms of the, this, this picture of, that he paints of adoption, he's, he's basically saying to you, he says, you used to be a slave when you did not know. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a play on words here. And the play on words, if you're looking in your Bibles right now, look, it says, 
when you did not know God, and then go down a little bit there, but now you know God. There are two different words that that he he uses here. Uh, there's two different Greek words. I don't. I won't even go through the Greek words. Um, but the one word basically means that when you did not know, it means to know by ex- uh, know because you experienced or received the knowledge from God. So that word is more like um, book learning. When you didn't know what the book said, when you uh, or you, it's, it's a word that says you learned it from a book, or somebody told you. But then he says, when you did not know, and the word is genosko. Okay, that's the word. When you did not genosko, learn it from a book. Experience, have somebody come tell it to you, alumnate it to you. Okay, you didn't know, you didn't get that from God. He said, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know oida, and that is, to, that, that word means to know, to understand, to gain through experience. And what he's saying is, but now that you've had the experience and understand by what you have experienced, Meaning that you gained the spirit. What did he ask him earlier? Did you receive uh, your salvation by the spirit or by the works of the law? Remember that argument that they were saying? He says, now, you've experienced the spirit of God. You've, exp- you've, you've got the revelation of God through your experience with God. Go to your testimony, man. You see, that, 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 that's, that's something that I love to, to talk about right there. There are those of us who uh, are afraid to witness because we feel like we don't know the Bible well enough to witness to somebody. I'm going to posit that you know God because of your experience with him better, and it is a better way to witness. Because can't nobody argue with what happened. Look, you can you can take them down the Romans road, or you can take them through John three sixteen, and that and quoted and all that kind of stuff. That's one thing, but it's another thing to say. Look, this is what happened to me. I once was blind, but now I see. Like the blind, remember the blind man? He said, "Look, all y'all educated folk who can you know who keep questioning me and everything." He said, "All I know is that this man named Jesus came along. He he made to put some mud on my eyes." And I see. That's my testimony. As far as anything else you want to know, you go ask them. But this is what I know. This is my experience. That's the power of testimony. That's the power. And that's what God wants to release on the earth. Tell them what I did for you. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so, what we are saying here tonight is that. that our, your, your, the knowledge that he talks about here is the, the knowing through what you have experienced, oida, okay? And so then he asked the question, so how is it that you turn turning back to that stuff? Now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, why are you going back over there with that mess? If you know because I haven't eaten yet, so I'm going to use a food reference. If you know that there was bad food over there, and you know 
from eating my food right here that this that this is good food, why are you running back over there to eat that bad junk? See, he's still arguing about the 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 the, 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 the them being under the law versus being under the grace of God and moving by faith. That's his that's he's still arguing that. And then he says and he says how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Go back to the adoption. You want to serve another period of slavery? After you've been redeemed, after you've been brought into this, the family of faith, you who are, who are now heirs along with Abraham, you want, you want to go back to that? You want to go back under the curse? Or do you want to live free? That's what he's asking. That's where I got to drop off at tonight because I'm two minutes over. So what did we learn tonight? We learned that God redeemed us, that the redemption process involved paying the ransom of redemption for us, that we have been adopted into the family of God, that because we are adopted, that our names have been changed, our situation has been changed, our status has been changed, our worship has been changed. When Paul talks about the baptism and taking off the old clothes, the clothes of unrighteousness, and now we put on the righteousness of Christ. That's what we got. That's as far as we can get tonight. So you see that your status has changed completely. You are no longer a slave, but you're a son. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You no longer walk in darkness, but you walk in the light. You have been justified, and the just shall live. By faith. Get your questions ready. And while you're getting your questions ready, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have we're going to have a word of prayer. We will pick up at verse twelve next week. Amen. Okay, hang on, hang on. Ooh, let me read it record. In verse eight, it is God's belonging to a God's meaning, little gods with authority. Verse eight. Let me answer that right now before I lose that. Formerly when you did not know God. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Okay? Yeah. It says, here, let, me, let me read it for you again. When you did not know God, and the God that he's referring to is um, Yahweh. When you did not know Yahweh, when you did not know Yahweh, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God. And that's the little g. Because one of the things that you'll, you'll notice is that in, in when Paul is writing, he will recognize, he recognizes that there are other, um, that there are other little g gods that people consider to be big g gods. And he always denotes those that are not gods with the little g. And people, and even today you have people that, that worship that which is not God. Okay, that's 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 what he's pointing. He says they weren't gods. He says because we know, and the Jewish thought, and remember, Paul is a Jew. Jewish thought says there is but one God, and all the rest of them are not even you know they rocks, they're sticks, they're something made by the hands of man. They have no power, nothing. 
The only power that they have is the power that you give them. So if they want to be carried, you got to pick them up and carry them. But our God rides on the wind, the wind that he made. Amen? So let's have a word of prayer. Any other questions, put them up there on the screen, and I will go right to them. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we thank you that you brought us in. God, we thank you that we belong to you. We thank you, O oh God, that, that by the spirit that you give us, that we now have an intimate relationship with you. We thank you by your spirit that we worship you and that we reverence you and that we honor you. We lift your name on high. We thank you that you've given us a name. We thank you that you've given us a home. We thank you, O oh God, that you've given us a completely new situation. Bless you for that. Now, O oh Lord, teach us to walk as children of light. Teach us to walk upright before you at all times. Teach us to obey your word by faith. And God, just like the Father that you are, when you find us that we're wrong or that we're doing something wrong, because you love us, our expectation is that you won't let us walk wrong, but instead that you will correct us. And we don't despise your discipline, O oh God, but we welcome it because we know that them whom you love, you will discipline. So we thank you even for your disciplining hand. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, any other questions? So it means little gods. It means that, that what they're talking about is not little gods. They're talking about little inanimate objects that are just that, inanimate objects that people perceive, that, that people perceive to be as gods. But they're not gods. They're not gods. They're just a piece of metal, like um, in Acts. Remember, uh, right, exactly. Not, they don't belong to God in slavery. I might be missing something, Sharon, because I think formerly when you did not know God, okay, when you did not, when God hadn't revealed Himself, this is Jehovah God, okay, or Yahweh God. I don't like. I don't like to use Jehovah. Is not that's a um, Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but Yahweh, okay, when you didn't know Yahweh, you were slaves. And remember, go back to that place where when we talked about uh, when you didn't have the knowledge of who he was. Remember that word, when you, when you did not know, that the key is that no, hadn't, God had not been revealed to you. You didn't learn him in the books. You hadn't, you know, uh, and then that second note, the experience part. Okay? When you had encountered him, experienced him, when he hadn't entered into your life, when you didn't recognize what you what he had done for you, because the little G, okay, that you were worshiping, couldn't do what the big G could. Okay. Anyway, um, if are there any other questions? Um, and I'm oh I'm so bad at this. You you guys out on Block Talk Radio. Y'all can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. Next week, Blog Talk Radio, people, I am not going to forget. I am not going to forget 
to use the call in to make sure that I post that call in number. And because I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but you know I got all of this going on and whatever. But anyway, I thank you for being out here tonight. I ask that you keep both me and my wife lifted up in prayer. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good stuff going on, uh, and a lot of fights going on. And there's spiritual fights. There's nothing, nothing wrong, nothing bad. But we just need to be kept lifted up in prayer. There's a lot of great things happening. Um, you'll see the manifestation of them. You'll see the manifestation of them. And next week, what I want you to do is I want you to con- continue reading Galatians. Uh, and for those of you who want to get a jump on the next study, those of you who want to get a jump on the next study, I want you to start reading Corinthians because that's where we're going next. And the way this is going, we probably got maybe another three, four weeks in Galatians. So start reading Corinthians so you can get the flavor of it, okay? Well, if that's all, I'm going to call it a night. I will see you next week. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with The Wow, The Word on Wednesday. Oh, one last thing. Dropping bread crumbs on Facebook all week long. When you see them bread crumbs, those are hints of what we're going to what we're going to discuss the next week. Okay, so pick up the bread crumbs. Bless you. Have a wonderful evening. Bye bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.